is November 5th, 2020, and you are listening to Sam Walking in the World, episode 31. This is the fastest growing podcast on all of Noel Top Terrace. Guten Tag, Kia Ora, Ni Hao, Top of the Morning, and a big fat hello to all my devoted listeners throughout the world we call Earth. As always, these are the thoughts of a guy who used to be unhappy, just trying to live like he wants to be when he dies. I'm grateful to all of you and thrilled as ever to hear you listening to the sound of my voice. Now, I guess I must say first, the sky has not fallen. <clears throat> I didn't really think it was going to. And it turns out that it hasn't. Um, we still don't know who our president is. We're sort of in an election purgatory. Um, um, it is leaning Biden right now, depending on how a whole bunch of things go. Um, and I'm not really biting my fingernails. Um, like I said a million times, even though my feeling was that Trump is going to win. Um, well, I noticed I just said my feeling was that he's going to win. I'm not really sure now. I still have this gut sense that for some reason it is going to happen. I don't know why. Um, but also, like I said, my life actually, at least selfishly, financially, is probably better off with President Biden. But I just, I just don't think the country is. <clears throat> um, but I'll get to all the election stuff a little bit later on. I wanted to broadcast this episode before we found out who the president is while we're in election purgatory. Because there's a different thought process that goes on. When you're unsure of which it's going to be. It's like Schrodinger's cat. The cat inside the box is both dead and alive until we find out which it is. Um, you can look that up if you're not sure what I mean. Um, so, uh, there's a few things that do matter during this position of uncertainty. Things that I think people should ask themselves. Um, because most people know exactly what they think when things are definite. But they're not sure what they think when things are uncertain. They're not sure not, no, they're probably sure what they think. They're not sure what they're going to say out loud because they might have to go on the record and then they might end up in retrospect being wrong or they might end up being hypocritical because it, they, they say A if it's X and then B if it's Y. And um, I just don't think we should think like that. So I'm going to continue to go on the record. Now, before I get to that though, I'm going to start with some stupid stuff. Um, and, and the very first thought I had this morning as I was walking Sadie down the street on this beautifully warm day. Forgot how nice warm temperature is. And it's nice. I'm going to try to appreciate every one of these I can before winter comes. There's something nice in your mind that happens when you realize you're going to be able to walk outside in sandals. Um, or you don't have to put extra bundles on you know, just it's generally a pleasure to go outside. You're not fighting against any sense of physical badness. And that's really what winter is. It's a whole bunch of physical badness. But you can still make it through it. <clears throat> and even enjoy it. But before I get to that, um, I wanted to uh, tell you a few things that I'm going to talk about in the episode. I'm, I'm going to add to my list of things you can't do gracefully. There's a couple more that popped up. As I promised, I will continue to inform you of those, see if you relate. Uh, I have an OCD check. Um, I have something I learned this morning. The first thing that I was going to say I learned when I was walking outside was uh, it was about how people say that uh, that when people 
become elderly and they return to their infancy. And I think there is a lot of truth to that. I don't, I don't mean that they become, you know, dumb or anything, but um, in some ways they, they just go back to being the way they were when they were a baby. And I think it's just a natural cycle of life. But I also notice this when my dog wakes up, she sounds like my grandpa. Um, and, and I also do that now. So I know I'm getting old. So I guess it's three things that I think are true. One is that when you get older, you return to your infancy. One is that my dog sounds a lot like my grandpa, maybe because she's just still a puppy, and that I am gradually becoming, I guess, old. But I don't mind. I really don't mind. So anyway, I, it reminded me of this. When my, I managed to get to the dog first before she got to me in the morning. I brushed my teeth. Um, I flossed. Went to the bathroom. I did all the little things I do in the morning before I like to start facing the day. That's that's the dog. She must, she must be a deer. Anyway, um, so oh, she's having a fit here. Let me take a quick break and see what she's up to. I'll be back instantaneously. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 31. My thanks to Milky for being quick on the mic there. Um, that was just my grandpa screaming at people in the yard. He thinks they're communist. So I had to go calm him down and let him know everything was okay. I'm just kidding. My grandpa has passed away. God rest his soul. But it's a perfect segue back to what I was talking about before, which is my dog and how he's very much like a grandpa. And I guess it also is an indication that I'm kind of becoming like a grandpa because what I'm about to describe to you about my dog, my wife also describes me as being like. And so um, this morning was one of those mornings where I beat the dog awake. Um, and I kind of ran around doing the things that I felt like doing. And uh, I brushed my teeth. I flossed. I uh, got a cup of coffee. And then I came back to the bed where the dog is and I started kind of rubbing her head, rubbing her ears. And she, she awakened from her sleep because of me. Usually it's the other way around. I will awaken from my sleep because of the dog. And so, um, when she first awakes, awakens and realizes that she's alive and it's a new day, she goes through this transition of sounds that can only be described to be similar to that of a grandpa. Maybe sitting on a lazy boy, maybe on Thanksgiving. But it's like this... Uh... says I do it too so I can't really go that hard in on the dog for it but um, it cracks me up and it's like my dog is a puppy so she's kind of still you know young and when I think it's it speaks to the truth that we, we do return to our infancy when we when we age and I feel myself going toward my infancy um, I definitely have less of a filter and dogs have no filter anyway but seemingly even less of one when they're puppies and I bet this is how it'll be when the puppy gets old. She becomes an old dog. She'll probably act like a puppy again. 
But anyway, um, I had to share that with you because it was completely cracking me up. Um, also, e and stupid stuff, um, I'm adding to the list today of things that you can't do gracefully. So, already on this list of things you can't do gracefully are 1. Running in flip-flops, 2. Drinking from a cocktail straw, 3. Opening a ream of paper, and now I'm adding this. 4. Getting a wall clock over a nail. I had the pleasure of doing this yesterday, or the day before, and it is not possible to do, not only is it not possible to do gracefully, it's not possible to do without becoming frustrated. Um, I'll draw the picture for you. So the kitchen clock, it's probably about, you know, two and a half feet from the ceiling. I'm a short man, as you know. So I have to get a chair. I have to stand with my arms above my shoulders, which, as you know, there's a ticking clock time limit on how long you can keep your hands above your shoulders. Ask anyone to do anything that requires that, and you'll see in about one minute they're annoyed at you for a million things other than that. And so, uh, but it goes the same every time. If you're trying to hang it on a nail, and usually you use one of those miniature carpenter nails because you don't want to like, destroy your wall, but you don't want to go through the trouble of putting in one of those drywall, um, you know, little nail holsters or screw holsters that always come with the clock. I don't know where they all are. There must be a giant mound of them like on the North Pole, thousands and thousands of little screws and plastic screw holsters. But anyway, I don't have mine, and I probably wouldn't have taken the time to do it anyway, even though I have a drill. So I'm taking a shortcut, breaking one of my own cardinal rules. And so the nail's already in there, though, because I'm just replacing the clock. <clears throat> and, you know, you can do that thing kind of where, first of all, the, the hole they give you to put the nail in is like half of a centimeter wide. And... And while you can, you have to do that thing where you have your head as close to the wall as you can as you as you bring the clock closer to the wall from the side. And for a little while, you think you got a pretty good gauge on it. It reminds me of like you're like you're trying to fly a lunar craft, and you have to use the moon as like the you know your trajectory point. For a little while, you can kind of keep the moon in the crosshairs, but then you got to leave that that console and look at something else, and then you might get off course, and then you're going to fly out into space ricochet off and eventually, well, die. This is a lot less serious than that, but equally frustrating. Well, I can't really say that because I've never been in space. I also know it's not equally frustrating. But anyway, as it gets closer and closer and closer, and you can still see it, see it, you enter this area of prediction. Like, okay, I'm going to continue moving my hands in this way, and hopefully that, in my mind, that's putting the nail right in the center of this, and then boop. And you look, and the nail's in the wall, and the clock is still in your hand. Then you have to do the awesome thing of putting the clock under your arm while standing on the chair, balancing yourself, and then getting the nail out of the wall with your fingernails, if you have them, or a butter knife, with, which, which works equally bad. So now you get the nail back out, get yourself all ready again, give yourself a pep talk, you get the clock back out from under your arm, lean your head back against the wall. By this point, you're getting tired, so your head is actually up against the wall, and you're watching as good as you can. Sometimes you even try to like see if you can get closer. Your head is against the wall. I if I can get a better vantage point here. No, that didn't work. So you get the clock closer and closer and closer, and then you, you, you make in your mind what you think is some adjustment to the last effort, but you have no idea. 
and then boom, and the nail's in the wall and the clock is still in your hand. And it's just trial and error. It took me seven times. I counted because I was like, after the second time, I was like, I got to see how many times this really takes. And I was like, I wonder how long this is taking. And then I, I did have the good fortune of having a clock in my hand. So I checked it. it. Took me almost 10 minutes, seven tries. My shoulders are burning. I'm about ready to get mad at my wife for something completely unrelated that she didn't do. Oh, felt a little better getting that out. But that is number four on my list of things you can't do gracefully. Number five, walking a dog while holding by, holding them by the collar. Like, oh, how did you get out? Get back over here. You walk the dog back from like the mailbox into the house. The whole while holding the dog by the collar. So you, you can't walk normally because then you'd be pulling the collar up to your waist and the dog would be choking. And you can't walk normal because if you leave the, the dog with all four legs on the ground and you accommodate that with your posture, then you end up doing this, I don't even know what to call it, this crouch walk that is completely demasculating as a man if you do it. Um, and, and even as a woman, it is the most awkward thing you could possibly do. You would never otherwise do that. Imagine any other scenario where you would walk with that posture. Unless you were like in like a 1952 gym class. Somebody at the time thought that was a good way to build your, I don't know, joints or something. But... You would never do it for longer with the dog. Even if you tried, imagine trying to go for a for a one mile walk with the dog without the leash, but doing that, it would be all you thought about the whole time you were doing it, and you feel bad for the dog. So you cannot walk with the cop with the dog. You cannot walk a dog while holding them only by the collar for very long, and gracefully. And then finally, trying to grab exact change from a cup holder in your car. I have a little old um, capsule jar that I put all my change in. And I don't even try to do it gracefully. I'll just dump a bunch of change out and go, here, I know that's at least enough. If I meant like the drive-thru. Uh, but I was in someone else's car. And they keep their change inside just the little cup holder between the two seats. And they're, the, the cup holders vary in size from car to car. But... This one was just that width, that diameter, where you could get your hand, you, you know, it was, it was good for holding change, but when you got your hand in, maybe if you grabbed one coin, it's like, oh, I need a penny, and you see one, you grab with your fingertips, that, that works. But if you need to get exact change, it, it, it is something you cannot do gracefully. Like, you, you need a nickel, two pennies, and a quarter. And... Maybe the pen, one of the pennies is visible, so you grab it, and then you transfer it into your palm. You're too lazy to just put it in your other hand, unless you're also driving, which I don't recommend. But say you're just, you know, waiting in the line at the at the uh, drive-thru at Burger King. You're behind the guy who needs to have a one-third the normal amount of ketchup on his burger. So you have a little bit of time. And so you're, you're reaching in there for the change, and you got to transfer it to your palm. And then you got to go back and get more. But sometimes the next um, denomination of money isn't available. Like you don't see a dime. Then you got to try and do that whole arcade claw scoop where you just kind of do this quick rearrangement of all the change. And maybe one of the one of the coin gods will deliver a dime to the top. And you can just grab it. It, it. it does happen sometimes. I'd say about half the time it happens. 
And then you, you have to gr gradually increase the amount of change you're holding with the palm of your hand while still trying to use your index finger and thumb to get the next. And then sometimes, sometimes all hell breaks out and the coins that are in your palm slip and fall and you have to do the whole thing over again. So I don't really know what the solution is. I guess it would just be grab what you know is more than enough change and give it to them. But you always have that weird feeling like, how are they going to feel if I give them too much change? They're going to be like, uh, sir, no, this is too much. Um, do they get in trouble if their if their draw is over? I mean, draw their drawer is over. Like if you're a cashier, and you, I understand if you get in trouble if there's less. They're be like, are you taking money out of the drawer? But like, if there's more, like, okay, what'd you check out at? Uh, plus a dollar fifty. Did you put a dollar fifty in that drawer? Did you put a dollar fifty in that drawer? I doubt it. So I think maybe just giving them more change than you need or paying with the, obviously the reason that change is there is because you usually pay with, with paper money and you go over the amount and then you end up having change and it's very easy to just throw it in there. But when are you ever going to use it? Eventually you're going to have to do something with it. It's going to overflow. Not to mention weight down your car and use more gasoline. That's definitely something my grandpa would probably say. All right. Oh, that really did feel good. Okay, I have a few OCD things. Here's one. I haven't done this. I haven't talked about OCD in a while, but I, I lately this has come up because of, I would say, because of COVID and because fall is coming to an end and winter is beginning and you have more long sleeve shirts on. And that is this. Washing your hands with long sleeve shirt, trying to not get the cuffs of the shirt wet. It's just hard to get a good rigorous hand wash without sacrificing the dryness of your shirt cuff. And so there's a, a number of ways to approach it. If you're OCD like me, then you're definitely thinking about it. And so if you, if you, you can just sacrifice the cuff and go in there and get a good rigorous hand wash and then just have wet cuffs. But then they're, you know they're never going to dry. They're going to be what for literally the rest of your life. And that's just a sacrifice you have to make if you want clean hands. And that's why the world sucks. Or you decide to try and protect the cuffs. And so you, well, you could roll them up. You could pull them all the way up to your elbow before you begin. But that's just a whole thing. And if it's a dress shirt, you can fold them up. But then you're like, you know what? I wash my hands way too much. I can't be doing this whole unbutton, fold, fold, unfold, unfold, button, button thing every time. So sometimes you try to shoot the cuffs. That's where you kind of just, like you're a gunslinger pulling both guns out, aiming them forward with your cuffs, but just with your hands. You go, and they move up a little, and sometimes they stick like two inches up your wrist. And you think, okay, maybe this is good. This is the easy way. Maybe I can wash my hands thoroughly and not get my, my shirt cuffs wet. And you start washing, and then it does work sometimes for a little while. And you get it in there, and you're – otherwise, you have to do – you have to leave them where they are and do that, like, I'll just be careful wash, where it's just like your fingers kind of up to your palm, up to your hand part of your hand. And then you kind of – like, this is the important part anyway. My fingers are the ones that touch the most germs. I'm just going to kind of get my thumb and the tips of these fingers. It never feels adequate never feels adequate it's like you know you just you didn't get what you went in there for and so you try to get away with the full wash 
without adjusting the cuffs that much. And sometimes it works. Sometimes you get away with it. You feel like you, you know, you, you beat the devil. And then you go, you have to then go to the hand dryer. The, I mean, the uh, paper towels. And you have two ways of trying to do this without getting your cuffs wet. You can either go hands up so that the cuffs stay up where you have them and make it to the paper towel in time. But inevitably, as you turn your hands up surgeon style, the water drips down on your hands and it makes it to your cuffs and the whole thing is kaput. Or you can put your hands down, point them down toward the ground, thinking, all right, the water will run off my hands onto the floor. And I always used to wonder, like, how do they get water all over the place and they're just washing their hands? And then I did the exact same thing. So you aim your hands down, and you're like, all right, awesome. No water on the cuffs. And then your cuffs go to the water. It's like they find a way to get you. Your cuffs are going to get you no matter what. That's the how inanimate objects think. Believe me, I've been around them. And so you got to just, if you can get yourself to where you just don't care, it's like a whole light switch. I don't care if my cuffs get wet. I believe they will dry. I can handle the mental discomfort of them being wet for a little while. Maybe I'll roll them up for a little while while they're wet. I can do that, you know, a couple times a day without it messing with the overarching psychological mission that I'm on for the day. And I think as a piece of advice to myself that I give that those things are part of life. Those things are there so that you don't get too focused on that other thing that you're doing and you end up getting mad at somebody because your cuffs are wet and you just had to try and hang a clock in the kitchen and the dog had to get brought in but she's not on her leash and so on and so forth <sighs> i felt good i hope that was helpful um i will take a quick break before i i want to be introducing a new character today to the show a, not a character, a new person to the show, and um, he is a seventh grader, and his name is Liberal Lunatic. And I thought, since this show definitely has a conservative bent, I grant that, uh, and in, in a way, in ways, a Republican bent politically. I thought I would add a liberal counterbalance. Now it won't be an equal and opposite counterbalance, but. Uh, this is a very well-spoken young man, you'll find, and even though I disagree with him down to the bone, he and I will demonstrate how you can have a civil conversation among people who extend respect to each other. And that is the liberal lunatic, and he'll be coming up shortly. What do you think about Mr. Trump's chance to win the election? Now, you probably know that I probably don't think very highly of Mr. Trump as a liberal. In fact, I hate him. Okay. Anyway, now that's out of the way. Um, well, I don't feel like he has a very strong chance to win this election. Uh, like, on Tuesday, remember this is Wednesday, so yesterday, I felt like that he was probably going to win the election. I got real scared. But in the morning, I saw the map again, like the election map, and I was like, ooh, whoa, we're in the, we're, we're in the lead, actually. But it's still, it was pretty tight, but... We just kept gaining states and states along the way. And if he were to win, he would have to win North Carolina and Georgia, which I think he will win. Alaska, which he probably will win. Pennsylvania, which I feel like that will go to the Democrats, but we don't need. 
and main second district, which I don't know about. And that would put him above 270. But I don't think that's going to happen. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 31. That was the liberal lunatic. And believe me, you'll be hearing more from him. Okay, now, we are in election purgatory. Now, I actually kind of enjoy this moment in time, in between, because most people go on the record once they're certain of of a, a circumstance. They don't like to go on the record while things are still in flux, because then they might be held accountable for what they say. And they'd rather wait to see what happens and then say they said it all along. And now, by people, of course, that was a vast generalization, but I think lots of people. And I myself went on the record because I had a very strong feeling that Donald Trump was going to win, and he did very well. Didn't do as well as I thought he was going to do, or the other side did better than I thought. More people that dislike Trump came out. It, it might be that. <clears throat> but as of right now, Biden looks like he may become the next president, but we still don't know. So while we're in this position of uncertainty, I think it's important to think. To think. What what might happen? What would we like to happen? What, what are our expectations if it happens to go one way or happens to go the other way? And, and like I said, I, I kind of feel selfish because my life actually, I mean, financially, selfishly, my life probably have be it would be more beneficial to my life if if democrats are in power and in new york they're pretty much in power anyway but like i said for various reasons financially my family will probably be better off with a tax and spend so to speak liberal in charge um, but i just don't feel like that's right in my gut for the economy in my head you know for the people of the country and so those are just my thoughts um but I will, of course, live with it, right? They, I don't think they're going to need to erect giant unscalable walls for conservatives who don't get their way. Um, I am grateful, though, I have to say this caveat, um, regardless of whether or not uh, Trump continues to be president, uh, his appointment of Amy Coney Barrett solidifies some protection of the Constitution, which I take heart in. So... Th Nothing can get too crazy. The framework of the Constitution is still going to be protected. So we're not going to become a socialist country. Um, any legislation that tries to you know, go way beyond the will of the people will be prevented because um, we have a Constitution. And um, those things that the Democrats were suggesting they would do um, if Biden won, um, also required them to win the Senate. And the Senate appears to be remaining Republican. At least it appears that way, but I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be. In which case, they will not be able to remove the filibuster, which is a minority protection, which is important. They won't be able to get rid of the Electoral College, which is important. Like, as I said, anti-majoritarian majoritarian, uh, mechanisms. Um they will be able to add states. They will be able to pack the court. All those things that are constitutionally dangerous. I don't have to worry about those anymore. And I guess if my, my thinking is, I guess if the country is just sick of the man, Donald Trump, well, then they'll be able to rid themselves of him. 
My question, though, then, <clears throat> my question, though, then, is what do they want? I couldn't stop thinking about this yesterday. And I did a segment before about what good might come out of a Biden presidency. If you recall, I think it was two episodes or three episodes ago. And I know I probably felt like I was jinxing Trump's chances. I'm sure my conservative friends didn't like it that I did it. But there was, there were, there were at the time, I thought there is some good. And that is that you'll end up, people end up having to drive the car they bought. And since I'm particularly insulated, I can kind of stand back comfortably and just kind of watch. I'm not, I'm not rooting for anything to go wrong. I want the economy to be strong. I want um, our borders to stay secure. Uh, I want wages to go up. I want the unemployment rate to go down. I want COVID to be gone. I want the things I feel like we all want. But in, within there, <clears throat> there are variations. And some on the left, I believe, would there, there are great variations in terms of what they would want. And so I was just thinking to myself, and I was kind of making a quick list of things um, that the, the if if Biden is elected, it will be the <clears throat> the will of the kind of the left side of the political spectrum. And I was asking myself, which things do they want? What they mainly wanted was it appears to be, based on the way the campaign was running, it, what they mainly wanted was to get rid of the bad man Trump, the racist orange evil man Trump, who doesn't have any dignity in the office makes us look bad around the world and they wanted to get rid of COVID <clears throat> and obviously the president you know gave everybody COVID because he wasn't wearing a mask and if he's gone at least he won't be able to give so many people COVID because it travels through his presidential microphone and he won't be at that microphone anymore so since Biden has a mask on they won't travel he won't be able to spread it to people so that's at least good but my question then is once Trump is gone and once COVID burns its way out or there's a vaccine and it goes away, which it will, regardless of who's president, that was just a fever dream of people that somehow that Biden was going to be able to get rid of it faster. No, no one expects that. And I honestly don't think many conservatives are going to blame him if it takes longer than, than people thought. Oh, I thought you were going to get it out. Trump was going to get it out. You know, I think that's infantile reasoning. COVID is going to go away. So imagine now a world maybe a year down the road, with President Biden, no COVID, no Trump. Well, these are some of the things that he said he was going to, he should be president because of. He was going to bring us together as a country. That was the big one. He was going to end the division. No red states, no blue states, just the United States. So it'll be interesting to watch that as he, as he has to negotiate with an opposite party Senate. Does he, does he work with civility? Does he demonize them? Because there didn't seem to be a lot of uh, ending division when, when Republicans were nominating Amy Coney Barrett to the court, which is their constitutional right and duty. Uh, that didn't seem like a, a very kumbaya moment for everybody. So it'll be interesting to see how Biden deals with an opposite party Senate, given the fact that his base... The, the far-left base, the Ocasio-Cortezes, the uh, Ilan Omars, the, um, the Bernie Sanderses, the Elizabeth Warrens. Um, and I've heard people say, you know, B Biden is really, really reaching out to the other side because he's going to have conservatives in his cabinet. 
He's going to have John Kasich in his cabin. John Kasich, who, who bent harder to the left than Maverick in his airplane. And hates Trump. And he's going to be in some low, lower level position. In the actual cabinet, he's going to have Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, um, Beto O'Rourke. He's going to be in charge of guns. <laughs> Uh, so I I don't know how he manages to have these these you know clowns to the left of him and jokers to the right so to speak, but we'll see if he handles it with civility. See if he continues to end the division and is a uniter. Um, we will get to see how he does on COVID. Um, uh, he he said that he was in favor of a lockdown. Um, I suspect he'll back off of that because Joe Biden more than anything else is an opportunist. He, he is where he is because he's he's good at trying to figure out what most people want and saying he's for it. Right? He did that in the primary because most people in the Democratic primary wanted what the far left wanted because it was it was the kind of the strength of the party at the time. So he, he did he went with the Green New Deal and all that. Then he got to the general election and he had to kind of pretend that he wasn't for all of that because at that point the majority of people didn't want that. And so now he's going to be, if he's president, he's going to be faced with a situation where he has to decide how many people want a lockdown and how many don't. And I have a very strong and comforting feeling that he's going to go with whoever wants, whatever side has more people. And I think most people don't want the lockdown. Of course, that might bring him right into contact, right into conflict with his, his radical base, the far left. They're probably going to want um mask uh, a mask mandate federal mask mandate maybe not though maybe that was all just part of getting him elected and now they're going to be reasonable and be like no we can't do that we have to keep the economy alive even though they vilified trump for it and i i'm going to keep track of the number of times they actually implement exactly the same policy trump had so we'll see we'll see if there's that first one's going to be we'll see if there's a covid lockdown um and a, and a mask mandate, federal mask mandate. Um, let's see. He said he's not going to end fracking. I think that was his final push. He was not going to end fracking. He did say he was going to eliminate government subsidies. So if he does that, that's really not hypocritical because he said he was going to do that. But let's see if he actually does go after fracking and try to eliminate it, come out full-throated against fossil fuels, eliminating them by 2035 and whatever he said he was going to try and do. We'll watch that. Um, he said he was not going to socialize health care. He was just going to give offer a government option. And that it wasn't going to erode private insurance like every, like all those crazy people on the right said it would. And you're going to be able to keep your doctor. You're going to be able to keep your insurance if you like it. You just, you just also have this other option. We'll, we'll see whether or not we end up. We'll we'll all know. We'll end up blowing if we're confronted now with a situation where we have to give up our health care. We have to join some consortium, the group of people who don't take care of themselves. I like to be in the same risk pool as them. I like to be in the same uh, auto insurance risk pool as people who crash their car a hundred times. Um, let's see if he repeals the Trump tax cuts. Let's see how he he puts his thumb in the air and sees which way the wind is blowing with the with businesses and the economy. Does he repeal those cuts 
in, in essence, making people's taxes go up. Now, he may say, and I guess you could argue, well, he's not raising them. He's just putting them back where they were. Trump lowered them. But we know that semantics. Both are right. The point is, we will be bringing home less in our check. Those of us that have a check. I mean, I'm sorry, earn a check. Um, and as I said before, packing the court, new states, filibuster, those those were fever dreams anyway, I believe. But thank goodness that the Senate remains Republican. Which, again, I've said before, everyone's going to keep on saying how divided we are. We're so divided. We're so divided. Look, look, we're still balanced. We're still balanced. The only people that are going to be out there trying to burn buildings and, and break stuff are people that just want new Nikes. They're the same people that were looting in every other instance as this. They want their free TVs and whatever it is. It's not associated with politics. It's just an opportunist uh, political opportunity, I guess. I could have said that better, but you know what I mean. Um, but I was also wondering, that got me wondering, what will the looters do now? What will they do? If Biden wins, and it isn't big, bad, orange man that they're out there um, mostly peacefully protesting against, then what will they do? Are the looters going to be angry that Trump lost? Or are they going to loot celebratory, celebratory looting? Maybe that's what it'll be. It'll just be the media will cover it as like ebullient celebration that went a little bit too far. They were jumping and cheering and, and hugging each other about their free, newfound freedoms that they don't have the dictator, um, Donald Trump. And they're so happy they have to break that glass and go get those TVs. They're so excited to see Biden on TV at his press conferences that they need to get new TVs. They're so excited because Biden is going to end COVID and they're going to have so much to do. They need to get new sneakers. Maybe that's it. I wonder if BLM will continue to protest police shootings. That'll be an interesting one to watch. If a, a cop, black or white, um, ends up shooting a person of color in a in a contested situation, um, and, and God forbid, God forbid, somebody loses their life, will BLM be protesting? And at whom? I wonder. At whom will they be protesting? The police, which brings me to the next thing, will 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 Biden continue to be for defunding the police? I know that the, the that his radical left are sorry, feel like this is their victory. Biden's victory is their victory. They now have a, a, a spot in the middle of the trough, and they're gonna they're gonna munch. So are they? Are they going to uh, still continue pushing for this defunding of the police? Um, are they going to continue to protest police action, police presence? Will they want them out of the neighborhoods? I don't know. But we will see. Um, I wonder now, will the culture be called less racist? Now that we don't have a, quote, racist president, Will America be able to call itself less racist? And if so, I'm wondering how. We weren't any less racist when we elected Barack Obama. We got a lot more racist when we elected Donald Trump. So I wonder what our level of, of wicked racism will be with Joe Biden. Or, or will those 
will, will, will all of that fervor just simply disappear? We will also be watching for that. And then in general, will crime decrease? I know Beto wants to take your guns, but I, I don't think Beto's going to have to worry about taking our guns anymore because I don't think we're going to have as great a need for them because I don't think there's going to be as much rioting. I have a feeling that that all of that rioting, the 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 Black Lives Matter marches, marches that went too far, you know, going on people's lawns, breaking down gates, bothering people at restaurants. I have a feeling that that might go away, which will lead me to believe that was more associated with the the political ends of, of determining a president they wanted than actually making cultural change. Which, which I, as I said before, I thought they were a bunch of crybabies. Um, because a lot of them were educated. A lot of them were young, white, educated people. And they are still in their post-idealistic phase and they don't really have any, or any you know, world experience that helps them understand why socialism wouldn't work. It's a great idea. You know, I've, I've heard people even say like, oh, I'm, I'm from the Netherlands and socialism works great there. Everyone understands that they must work because we are all in it together. Well, sorry, but we have some people that just won't work. And there's only two, there's only a certain degree to which you can uh, take from the producers to give to the people who don't produce without disincentivizing the production that essentially is the balance that has to exist and if it's if it, it tips too far to a tipping point the innovators will stop innovating the entrepreneurs will stop investing the hard workers will stop hard work or maybe they'll do it just because that's the way they're built but there won't be enough to go around the pie will get smaller and we'll all have a little bit less Maybe that's the point. If if there's going to be the unfairness of capitalism, maybe we all should have none. Instead of having America be the greatest country in the world to be poor. Oh, you want there to be poor people. No, I want people to have two televisions, free cell phone service, um, as much food as they want, etc. Will systemic bias continue to be rampant? Right? Will will pretty much everything still be able to be traceable to the fact that there's white privilege? I'm curious to see how Biden will will admit and and um, you know seek forgiveness for his white privilege. Clearly, he's white, so he clearly has a systemic advantage. Wonder what he'll do, how he'll try to make up for it he's gonna have to get forgiven for it it's a constant sin every time he walks in front of a mirror or stands in front of a microphone his whiteness has to be apologized for maybe maybe that's why he'll step down and kamala harris a person of color who's not african-american will be able to become president and he will have ushered in he will have forfeited his power this is just coming to me, and I'm thinking, this is kind of brilliant. Joe Biden, in an act of white acceptance of his white privilege, turns the country over to a person of color. It does have a very grandiose sound to it, doesn't it? And then she can run the country. Um, so <laughs> we will be watching all of that. 
Uh, I do have a lot more to talk about. I wanted to talk about the, the Hunter Biden um, laptop situation. But I can get to that at any point, regardless of who's the president. So I may hold off on that because I've been talking at you for so long. Um, and I do want to get this episode out. Who knows, though? I may take a break and then come back. Um, I guess we will soon see. Um, but I know this. I, I One more last thing on this. I know that Trump's record will not be assessed until after he's gone. Once Big Orange Man is gone and, and we're, we're not looking straight at him and hating him, we are going to look at the state the country was in before COVID. Everyone knows COVID wasn't his fault. Everyone knows it. Um, but we'll look at the country as it was before COVID. Ask ourselves, do we want to go back to that? Do we want low unemployment, especially for African Americans and minorities and women? Do we want peace in the world? Do we want a border? Do we want more taxes on businesses, especially after COVID? America was, you know, I hate to say it, maybe they'll whisper it in liberal corners, but America was, you know, without that big orange dirty racist, without him, America was was pretty great. So, um, and my brother, <laughs> my brother asked me, because he's been white knuckling this whole thing, he asked me, what will Trump do as a lame duck if Trump loses and then he has until January to be president with really not much accountability and a Republican Senate? wonder what he'll do. And I was thinking to myself, he'll probably appoint federal judges, as many as he can. He'll probably distribute the vaccine, right? Because that was what his plan was. If he, if he actually does care about the country, he'll continue warp speed until that vaccine is out, which it probably will be right around the inauguration time. And then maybe he'll indict, he'll indict Hunter Biden just as a, a, a last stick it to the man kind of thing. But we shall see. We don't know. But uh, I am going to sign off here. As always, this is Sam Walking in the World, and I appreciate you listening intently to my show. Um, but I may be back in one second. I may or may not. Oh, no, it's another Schrodinger's box. With that, I will see you when I see you.